This is Briar Klopp, and I'm a sales agronomist for CHS Ag Services in Greenbush, Minnesota. We're pleased to bring you this update from the Red River Farm Network. CHS Ag Services, providing solutions for your success. Good morning, Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. I'm Don Wick with Randy Kunin. We'll have reports from Sierra Doctor and Whitney Pittman. The winds rattling the windows overnight, gusts approaching 50 miles per hour across a wide swath of the northern plains. The National Weather Service says the strong winds will continue in many areas this morning before backing off this afternoon. It's going to remain cold today and tomorrow. Milder conditions are expected on Friday. Well, with the snow, conditions have improved since the fall drought. Nutrient Ag Solutions Principal Atmospheric Scientist Eric Snodgrass says the melt rate and what happens in March and April will influence soil moisture profile. Not only for you all is it low, but it's low down in, in the I-States. It's, it's low all the way over to Ohio. So most of the Mississippi drainage basin, including the Missouri River, the Mississippi and Ohio, have to make a recovery by spring. Otherwise, we'll be just waiting on every rain to keep the crop going throughout the growing season. Snodgrass addressed the Northern Corn and Soybean Expo audience, saying an active weather pattern is expected this spring. It's good news because it's 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 going to help return that moisture. Um, bad news is is that an after, active weather pattern in spring means severe weather too, and possibly tighter planting windows. So one of the indicators of that active pattern is the fact that there's a ton of snow right now in the Colorado Rockies and out to Sierra Nevada. So that's a big cold spot. You got to send the jet stream south of it. So what does it do? Bumps up the plains, and therefore we get the kind of interaction with the jet stream that can really drive a a tighter spring in terms of field work but moisture so it's a balance right i'd rather have the tighter windows and not have to worry about moisture come july than it would be the other way around the farm bill and politics taking attention at the northern corn and soybean expo yesterday red river farm network farm broadcaster whitney Pittman has that story former u.s senator heidi heitkamp of north dakota spoke on the prospect of passing a 2023 farm bill saying it'll be an uphill battle in the house of representatives she's not sure a farm bill will find the finish line this session I would love to be surprised, but I think given how divided the House majority is, I think it's going to be extremely hard for the House to build a, a moderate coalition to get this done, in part because I think their budget expectations are unrealistic given a farm bill. I think everybody understands that there may be some belt tightening, but I expect the number is going to be uh, fairly unworkable for uh, a lot of the coalition groups in the farm bill and if they try and take all of those cuts out of nutrition it'll be a non-starter for not only um, uh, many many democrats but also some republicans in addition heitkamp says the house of representatives will face other challenges with a lot of new leadership in the history of electing the house speaker the number I used to use was only 15% of the members of the House actually have a farmer in their district. Um, then you add the complexity of the fact that over 200 of them have never voted for a farm bill, have never had to explore the farm bill. And I think that's going to create huge problems in terms of the learning curve, but also what is uh, essential to building the coalitions with our urban counterparts. I think it's going to be really difficult, not only politically, but also because of the rules that were enacted during um, the compromise on electing uh, Congressman uh, McCarthy Speaker of the House. Reporting agriculture's business on the Red River Farm Network, I'm Whitney Pittman. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy made a stop at the World Ag Expo in Tulare, California yesterday, had one simple message. This is the year we do the farm bill. Ahead of the House Ag Committee Farm Bill Listening Session, McCarthy said the focus was on listening. What I really want you to do 
is give us your wisdom when it comes, not just today, but for the future. Because that's what we want to do in the next farm bill. We only bring it up once every five years. But it's not just the farm bill that I want to hear from. When we have fair trade, we can compete and we can put our products on every table. Farmland values continue to escalate in 2022. Virginia Tech professor emeritus David Cole says government payments helped to drive those land prices higher. The government money came with no cost of production, so people will say, hey, I'm just going to uh, put it, you know, as a down payment or, you know, a cash payment to uh, farmland. And, you know, the th thing is, Don, I've been asked the past couple of weeks, a lot of farmers are flushing cash and working capital, and they're saying, what should I do with it? And, uh, and, they're, and I'm noticing they're kind of, you know, taking a, oh, a little pause on buying the land right now. Cole says money markets, including CDs, are now an investment option once again. Reporting agriculture's business, you're listening to the Red River Farm Network. Wednesday Farm News on the Red River Farm Network. North Dakota Farmer and American Soybean Association Vice President Josh Gackle says they have three main topics to focus on for the upcoming year, especially related to the Farm Bill. It falls into three really somewhat connected but different issues when it comes to the farm economy, farm markets, and then uh, moving product to the market. So we focus on those three areas in the coming year. At ASA, it's going to be Farm Bill related. It, it's a Farm Bill year, so it's a priority for our elected officials, it's of course a priority for the associations for both corn and soybeans. Um, and we've been working hard on that starting in 2022 to get that message out, um, communicate what our priorities are. And now as they start to have committee hearings and field hearings and putting legislation together, making sure that input is heard. Getting updates included in the Farm Bill and then educating new legislators is high on the to-do list. Updating reference prices for the crops that are um, covered under those under those tools. Um, it's something that hasn't been updated in a while and it's probably not reflective of the current farm economy. Um, so just educating legislators um, so they have that information and that's another, another key thing that I mentioned is there are so many new members of Congress this year um, due to the elections in November. So there's well over 200 Congress people, you know, between the House and the Senate that have very little exposure to a farm bill and have likely never been involved in writing one or even voting on one. That education piece and sharing the information with them and the, what's worked for farmers in the past and those tools we want to protect and keep in that bill, that'll be a focus. Spring planting plans are well underway with farmers locking in inputs and fertilizer. Red River Farm Network farm broadcaster Sierra Doctor has the story. Fertilizer prices started out 2023 on the downward trend. CoBank lead grain and farm supply analyst Ken Zuckerberg says geopolitical factors may cause another spike in prices. As we get into planting season and then into next fall, we see the situation uh, reversing. But I must tell you, the geopolitical factors weigh in here heavily. The first is Russia, Ukraine, right? And what's happening there with just pure production of fertilizer coming out of Russia, Belarus. And the second piece of that is what Russia may or may not do with regard to continuing to restrict exports of natural gas to Europe. So if Russia restricts what they're providing to Europe in natural gas, prices are going to spike, and I think fertilizer prices will spike again. Zuckerberg says fertilizer prices shouldn't have much of an effect on what farmers planned this spring. As we looked at the buying patterns of what people committed to already, we came to a different conclusion. 
that a lot of the fertilizer product uh, uh, plan for this spring was already committed to. So farmers most likely will not be able to shift their crop plan because of this drop. Now, that being said, opportunistically, if people hadn't committed and they, you know, are debating in the rotation, planting another year of corn over soybeans, I think incrementally there could be some shifts. But broadly speaking, we think that most of the purchase decisions had already been locked in. Reporting agriculture's business. I'm Sierra Doctor on the Red River Farm Network. Epitome Energy has announced a partnership with Capello Global to complete the development of the soybean crush facility in Grand Forks. Capello Global is a California-based international investment banking firm. The soybean crush facility does remain on track to begin operations in 2025. Green bison soy processing is on track to be operational for the 2023 harvest season. President Mike Keller says bids are being accepted now for the Spiritwood, North Dakota plant. We have bids available for for our producer and our elevator accounts so they can get a hold of us uh, if they're interested in setting up an account. That's what I would recommend, if not selling soybeans as well. ADM owns 75% of this project, the remaining 25% belonging to Marathon Oil for renewable green diesel. North Dakota generally produces around 200 to 225 million bushels of soybeans. Our facility in Spearwood will consume uh, less than 25% of that. So there is, there's still an opportunity to, to focus on the added value of the soybean in North Dakota that we'll provide in Spearwood, but also the export channels will remain. Um, it's, it's providing a, a secondary market for that soybean that's grown in North Dakota. Basis bids at the six regional grain elevators, followed by the Red River Farm Network, unchanged from a week ago for corn and soybeans. Spring wheat basis seeing some changes with basis widening by 10 to 20 cents. Spring wheat basis range from 30 to 60 under the May Minneapolis futures. Corn basis remain uh, 25 under the March to 40 cents under the May. And soybean basis remain from 50 under the March to 70 under the May. This is the Red River Farm Network. Welcome to Inside Agriculture on the Red River Farm Network. The South Dakota Senate Agriculture and Natural Resources Committee unanimously gave its support to a proposal to restrict foreign ownership of farmland. Senator Aaron Tobin supported, sponsored that bill. We know that farmers and ranchers in South Dakota don't want the China, Chinese Communist Party as our neighbors. We have to take every possible step to pre prevent this from happening. Countries like China are specifically targeting our ag land. Chinese ownership of U.S. farmland has increased by more than 20-fold since 2010. All of the major South Dakota farm groups testified against this bill. South Dakota Farm Bureau President Scott Vanderwall said his membership believes in American ownership of farmland. Uh, we don't disagree with the intent of this bill at all. But after reviewing the mechanics of the bill, we have more concerns than we do comforts. Senate Bill 185 would establish a five-member committee with power to investigate ag land sales and leases. This committee would then make a recommendation to the governor who would have sole authority to approve or deny the land sale or lease. It's important to remember that the governor is not obligated to follow the recommendation of the committee. This grants unilateral authority to one person, something that Farm Bureau, regardless of the issue, is deeply concerned about. We don't know who future, future governors will be, nor what their philosophies will be. 
South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem proposed the legislation to restrict foreign ownership of farmland. The House passed a similar measure earlier this week. Mexico opening its market to imports of biotech corn for animal feed, but has ramped up its import ban on corn for human consumption. National Corn Growers Association is urging the Biden administration to initiate the dispute settlement process through the U.S.-Mexico-Canada trade agreement. A class action lawsuit over the use of loyalty programs in the seed and crop protection business has moved to a federal court in North Carolina. A Texas farmer filed an antitrust action against both Syngenta and Corteva last fall, claiming these companies have loyalty programs for its wholesalers and retailers, which block them from selling less expensive generic products. The Federal Trade Commission and 10 state attorneys general, including Minnesota's Keith Ellison, are part of that lawsuit. So we checked markets. It's uh, either side of steady for Minneapolis wheat. March down a half penny. The July contract a quarter penny higher. Chicago wheat March a quarter cent higher. Half cent gain for hard red winter wheat March. March corn right now three and three quarter down. Six seventy eight and a half. We're down three and a quarter for new crop. March soybeans fifteen twenty six and a quarter down eleven and a quarter cents. New crop soybeans a dime lower. As we check in on the farm calendar. The Evolution Ag Summit going on uh, at the uh, North Dakota Farmers Union uh, headquarters in Jamestown is coming up on Tuesday of next week, the 21st. Uh, they're going to be taking a look at some of the issues related to sustainability, the supply chain, and what's going on with uh, the whole carbon market with a perspective of farmers and ranchers. And the International Crop Expo is next week, the uh, Wednesday-Thursday show in Grand Forks. That's February 22nd and 23rd, all taking place at the Alara Center. Have yourself a great day. Hold on to your hat this morning. This is the Red River Farm Network.